This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. Well, thanks for tuning in to the NC Baptist podcast today. I'm Brian Upshaw. I serve as the Associate Executive Director, Treasurer, and Director of the Ministry Strategies Group here with NC Baptist. And joining me today is my friend Matt Caps. Matt's the pastor at Fairview Baptist Church in Apex, North Carolina. Matt's in his eighth year there. And he is an author as well, writing uh, for Thomas Nelson Publishers, coming out in 2023, The Timeless Truths Study Bible, which he's edited. And then another book on beauty and spiritual formation coming out with Broadman and Holman uh, later in 2024. Matt, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me this morning. Making disciples and making leaders, what's the difference? That's what we're going to talk about today. Disciple making and leadership development are both hot topics in church circles today, and unfortunately, uh, they're rarely discussed together. The separation can lead to deficient views and approaches to both discipleship and leadership development. Matt, I know this is a topic you're passionate about because you model it in your church. And in a 2022 study conducted by Lifeway Research called The Greatest Needs of Pastors, pastors identified developing leaders and volunteers as their top priority. They also noted training existing leaders and volunteers as their third greatest need. So Matt, tell me, why do you think this is such a pressing issue for pastors, and what are some of the challenges that pastors face in developing leaders? There's two ways I'll answer that. I think it's a pressing issue for pastors, first, because it's a biblical command. Um, I think, one, pastors are called to equip other pastors or elders. I think about Titus, who was the, the Gentile led to faith by Paul, uh, was a companion of Paul, and then was a leader in the early church. Um, and you read in Titus 1.5, where Paul exhorts Titus to, um, well, he leaves him in Crete and says, um, I want you to put... Uh, to order what remains, and I want you to appoint elders in every town. And so part of the apostolic church multiplication uh, plan is to train up other elders in churches and to follow that pattern. I think it's necessary that that we as pastors um, spend time training and equipping other pastors. Um, so you have, on the one hand, pastors equipping other pastors, and two, I think pastors equipping all of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's Ephesians 4. We all know that. And, and he gave uh, to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and to the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Uh, one of the things I heard someone say one time was, there's only one human that's ever walked the earth that has all the spiritual gifts necessary uh, and that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So you think about the image of the church being the body of Christ. The pastor is just one part of that body, and he is called, I believe, uh, to to oversee that body of believers, but also to equip and train um, everyone in the church to do the work of the ministry, and that's how the church flourishes. So on the one hand, this issue is pressing because it's a biblical command, but I think, too, it's complicated because I think all of all of us have demands mm-hmm. in the ministry week right. to week, whether it's 
um, weekly sermons to write or teaching to prepare, uh, meetings to lead or processes that need our attention. And then you have the, the things that pop up that we don't plan for, the funerals, the weddings, the visitation, the counseling. Uh, so all of that together, you have the biblical commands, the complications of week-to-week ministry. And so I think it's pressing because we have to make it our priority. We have to make it our priority in our ministry um, to, to do these things, to develop leaders within our church for the health of the church as a whole, but also for the, the, the advance of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And that brings to the point, you, you raising all these biblical uh, examples of leadership development, that really leadership and discipleship are linked in the Bible. So how are they linked? And then what is the danger of separating these two issues? Yeah, so I'll <laughs> – if I were to try to define discipleship, and you know, maybe you can help me do this, I would think it's the the intentional process of exhorting and encouraging others to grow in their Christ likeness through the application of Scripture. Right. So it involves accountability. So that's both fighting sin and pursuing righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's in a broad definition what discipleship is. Um, so you think about uh, people who are leaders in the local church; they have to meet certain. Um, character qualifications, scriptural qualifications uh, for the role. So you think about 1 Timothy and, and Titus, uh, you have these qualifications for pastors and, and deacons. Um, and I would, I would even encourage pastors, if you're listening, brothers, use those passages specifically regarding deacons to qualify your, um, your committees, your committee members, and your, your teachers. Because uh, while the um, the qualifications outlined for those roles are not extraordinary. And, and I'm, this is what D.A. Carson said one time. I remember reading this. He said that the most extraordinary thing about the biblical prerequisites for leaders is they're not at all extraordinary. And what he meant is you can find the same exhortations regarding character for all believers elsewhere in the New Testament. That's good. Other than, you know, able to teach and not a new convert for elders. But leaders are those who exemplify and demonstrate the characteristics we'd like to see in every disciple. So you look around and you say, this guy, this woman, they, they exemplify what we think a true disciple should be modeling in the Christian life. If you separate the two, if you separate discipleship and leadership development, um, you could have on the one end men and women who are great at organizational leadership but lack the character. And if they don't have the character, that makes it very difficult for them to sustain that role long term and could cause a lot of damage in your church. And then on the other end, you may have men and women who have the character but don't have the competency to lead in a way that's going to be beneficial for the church. And so you have to hold those two together. So on the one hand, you have to be wary of leaders who aren't qualified in the character. Um, And then on the other hand, watch out for leaders who exemplify the character but lack the competency. So I think that's why you cannot separate discipleship and leadership development in the local church. Yeah, that's great. And uh, we've seen the pitfalls of both of those things, haven't we, when we have – uh, people that have really godly character, but there's there's not been any training with competencies yes. that leads to some real um, inefficiencies in the health of the church. And obviously, the pitfalls are manifold when you have character deficiencies in leaders. Yeah, the character deficiencies in leaders those become more, I think, visible in the long term. I think the competency issue that's something you have to watch out for because um, that happens in a way that's not as visible as maybe a, a 
character deficiency when it when it blows up or becomes evident to the congregation. But I think both are necessary. Right, absolutely. And Jesus, as you mentioned, Jesus, the the only one that's walked with all of the spiritual gifts. We see that Jesus divested himself, investing in people, but divesting leadership to others. So let's let's talk about how Jesus modeled this idea of discipleship and leadership. Greg Ogden talks about in his book transforming discipleship, how Jesus multiplied himself by broadening his leadership base and investing in others. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so when I read the gospel accounts, I've always found it fascinating that, um, you know, specifically in Mark, I preached through that last year, there are these instances where Jesus um, attempts to get away by himself and pray, or even takes the disciples away to have kind of a retreat, and they're always interrupted by people. But Jesus prioritizes his ministry to people even over himself. I think there's there's something we, you know, we're, we are not Jesus, we're not the Christ, obviously, but I think there is some some wisdom there. When you take on a leadership role, you, you realize that you are called to invest yourself in other people. Sometimes it goes beyond the, the nine to five schedule, beyond your comfort zone. But what Jesus does is really fascinating to me because as he preaches, as he teaches, as he heals, he, he draws very large crowds Right, um, and you see kind of this progression through the Gospels as he's as he's preaching, teaching, and healing, and moving through the countryside. He's drawing large crowds, but there's a point in the Gospel and all Gospel accounts where he stops. Um, you see this twice at least, where he says, um, "One, who do you say I am?" Right. So he's calling specifically there Peter to confess him as Christ, and then he calls those around him to take up their cross and follow him. And what happens then is the crowd thins a lot. There's a lot of people that say this is too difficult, and they walk away. So Jesus narrows it um, down to basically 12. Um, and within those 12, however, there are three that he really spends a lot of time with. And so um, you see kind of this broad discipleship in teaching and preaching and healing, a more narrow discipleship in the 12 where they're going to carry on the ministry. But there's three that he really focuses on, um, and that's Peter, James, and John. And what's fascinating to me is he gives those three specific attention and what you see happen with those three, Peter, James, and John become the pillars or the leaders of the church in Acts. Right. And so um, there's almost different levels of investment, you could say, in the discipleship that Jesus has with his, um, his leaders. So first, you have to make the cost and the call clear to your leaders, right? Take up your cross, um, confess who I am. But then even more, I think as a leader, you have to invest in a few um, above the rest because all of us have limited time and energy. I mean, let's just confess it. (laughs) Uh, We all have limited time and energy, and so you have to make decisions on who you're going to invest most of your time in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And and I know that's kind of true of your journey, right, as a a leader and as a pastor. I know some of your testimony, some of your background that you've shared with me uh, personally, but in your own journey, how did your church help develop you as a leader? Yeah, so I think back to my time in seminary. I was an I was a pastoral intern at Calvary Baptist Church in Winston Salem. Uh, they had a pastoral internship program, and in that program, uh, the senior pastor then Al Gilbert and the associate pastor then Will Tabiran gave me a lot of attention. Um, that involved my formation as a pastor. And what that looked like was kind of a more intimate focus, um, developing my own gifts, um, pointing out my weaknesses, giving me opportunities to preach and teach with feedback, giving me opportunities to lead ministry teams and even meetings, um, and also including me um, in discussions 
and allowing me to accompany them in circumstances where I would um, grow in my understanding of kind of on-the-ground uh, ministry, um, everyday ministry. Um, and I would say even as a lead pastor now, um, my church has allowed me the room to grow into my role and showed me grace in areas where I've needed it, where I've made mistakes. I've had older saints who are willing to have difficult conversations with me or challenging me in areas. And so as a leader, you have to have the humility to submit yourself to others who are older and wiser and have more experience. Um, I can't remember who said it, but um, even the best of men are men at best. And mm. I think there has to be a humility on your part. You may be the most educated theologically in the room, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are the most, uh, you're the wisest experientially. So I think, um, one, find older saints, um, older pastors may be able to mentor you, but also submit yourself to the older saints in your church that may have a perspective you don't, and may have experiences you don't, and learn from them. No, that's great. That's great. So thinking about your own local church now, uh, how are you seeing leaders developed at, at Fairview and then also at the churches of your peers? Yeah, so if you think about from a church-wide level, congregationally, one of the things we do at Fairview is we host leadership trainings, um, sometimes quarterly, sometimes a couple times a year, uh, where we focus on specific areas of need in the congregation. So we've done evangelism training several times. We've done teacher trainings where we bring in someone um, who is, is well-known as a, a trainer of teachers to help our people understand the best ways to, to teach and lead a community group, how to minister to people in that, in that setting. Um, and oftentimes those are experts, uh, whether it's state convention leaders or seminary professors or other pastors that we feel would be beneficial for our church to hear from, again, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I think about the church staff. Um, the way we kind of lead in that area is um, one, I always have an open door policy with members of the team uh, to come and wrestle through ideas they have or maybe struggles they're trying to navigate. Uh, we have quarterly goals and feedback that we do with our staff um, where we are helping them think through the things they want to accomplish and work through the thing, the areas where they're struggling or need help. We have weekly staff meetings where we work through our projects and, our, and, and where feedback and issues are discussed. We have weekly, during those staff meetings, weekly book discussions. And a lot of times I'll choose a book for us to read that, that deals with leadership organizationally or with people, or we deal with, uh, we read books on discipleship or ecclesiology to help us grow in our understanding together. Um, and then our church provides, uh, I would say, a very healthy um, budget line for conferences, books, and uh, continuing education. So, you know, I know you have the discipleship conference coming up. That's one of the things that we'll be at as a staff, and you can choose different um, breakout sessions that are beneficial for you and your specific role. And so that's kind of how we approach it as a church, and I think it's similar uh, to other churches as well. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I want to, I just want to point out for the listener that uh, Fairview is a what I would consider a normative size yeah. NC Baptist church. So we're not talking about a church that necessarily has a large budget. Right. They have just chosen uh, to invest in leadership development. Yeah, we've made it a priority. That took time to lead in that direction. But I would even say that the things that we offer our staff and our and our members is equivalent to what you might expect of a church much larger than ours. But that again. You know, brothers, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, I can't do that. Just know it takes time to get there, to lead in that direction. Yeah. Well, as Matt mentioned, uh, NC Baptists are committed to disciple-making and equipping leaders. So let's take a quick break and hear about an opportunity churches have to be inspired and equipped.
Most ministry leaders are squeezed into a mold of measuring success by what happens at church on the weekend. What if your church was known more for multiplying disciples than adding worship attenders? Join us for the 2023 Disciple Making Conference on Monday, February 20th at Calvary Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You will be inspired and equipped to become a church on mission to win, build, and send missional disciples. Register and learn more at disciplemakingconference.org. So Matt, you've heard of our vision of being a movement of churches on mission together. We really are passionate about seeing our churches come together to create a sending culture in North Carolina where we are very serious about the mission of God and multiplying everything, multiplying small groups in churches, multiplying disciples, multiplying churches through church planting, and multiplying the kingdom through sending missionaries. So uh, thinking about this topic of discipleship and leadership, uh, how do those two uh, disciplines of discipleship and leadership development, how do they contribute to creating a sending culture in the church? Yeah, so I would say if I think about Fairview, other than building a general culture of discipleship and leadership training among the people, um, I would say first we also have to realize that even our, our staff at some point um, will probably move on to other um, ministry endeavors, and you have to be willing to let your best go uh, for the sake of the kingdom. So I think even as, as we've gone through hiring staff, I've, I've tried to focus on guys that I, I believe are very gifted and have um, a lot of potential to do a lot of great things and in, in many ways are, are strong in areas where I'm weak to kind of fill out the team, but then invest in them and hold with them an, an open hand. I'd say number two, um, we've we've built what we call the Ministry Training Center at Fairview mm. um, for, for ministry residents. And what that looks like is it's a training program for both men and women who want to pursue a call either to local church ministry or maybe on the mission field. And so what these residents receive from us is personal mentorship from the staff, ministry experience within the church, um, theological training within the church setting. So um, they have the ability um, to earn up to 36 hours of credit towards their master's degree at Southeastern Seminary. Along with that, we've been in conversation with a lot of the guys at NC Baptist to, to talk about how can we work together for for, for planting, revitalization. And so we're, we're still in the formation process of this. But but week to week, what this internship looks like at our church, this residency looks like, is, is reading roundtable discussions on ministry-related issues or texts um, with the Fairview staff, theological and ministerial position papers on a variety of topics. So as we're, as we're talking with these ministry residents about um, issues in ministry, a lot of times that'll turn into, hey, why don't you go write a, a three-page ministry philosophy or top or topical paper on this and, and to kind of really crystallize your view. So by the time you're done with the program, you at least know what you believe theologically and biblically foundationally, and then you can work on applying that uh, in a setting. Um, a lot of times we do weekly um, sermon prep um, with the pastors. Uh, we have them teach in a variety of settings whether that be on um, a Wednesday night, kind of a sermon-type environment, or a Wednesday night teaching, or maybe a Sunday morning life group. Uh, so we're trying to give them as, as much experience as we can. And then there's a lot of times where I'll just I'll grab one of them and take them on a pastoral care visit or to the hospital. Or um, I remember back when I was at Calvary, I remember one time Al Gilbert had me sit in on a 
pastoral counseling meeting that he had that was um, a pretty tense meeting, um, but he kind of informed the people that were coming for the meeting that, hey, Matt's an intern. He's just going to sit in the corner. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> Believe me, I was not going to say anything. <laughs> I just I just wanted to be there and to be in that situation and to hear how he shepherded them uh, through those ideas. So the, the idea there for us for the internship, for the ministry residency, is to give them practical experience, um, to give them kind of the theological um backbone, if you will, they can earn credit. And then we're working with you guys to think about how can we release these men and women into the field for, for ministry. Um, so I think that that's one of the ways we approach that uh, with a residency as we think about training up missionaries, pastors, planters, revitalizers. Yeah. I love the fact that it sounds like you're raising the bar on expectations too. It's not it's not just an opt in and opt out, but you have commitments, writing papers, some field experience, exposure to different things, but there's an expectation, some accountability built in that they're going to be investing greatly in the program. Yeah, and we're still building the program now, so it's not where I, I want it yet. But I would say some of you you know, some of you brothers might be listening and thinking, Well, we don't have the capacity to do that at our church. Um, one of the reasons we can do it is because I do have a, um, a doctor of ministry degree, and so that allows me to teach a certain amount of hours. But I've seen other brothers. I noticed that recently Jordan Willard um, announced that they're, within their association they're doing something similar, a ministry training residency with the EQUIP, Equip program with Southeastern. So I think there's there's other ways to accomplish it with, with churches around you as well. So I would say begin to explore those options and think about how you might be able to um, develop a, a ministry training residency, either in your church or in your association. Yeah, yeah, and we're very committed as NC Baptist to seeing a culture of sending senders, yeah. and so we want to do anything we can to come alongside local churches and associations and help them to build these ministry pipelines. Yeah, we've had great conversations with Mike Pittman as well about how we can um, look to the future and, and plant. I mean, Fairview Baptist Church is a plant. It's 30 years old, but it yeah. was planted by three other churches, so it's in our DNA. We just haven't done it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for you guys and how you're coming alongside of us and helping us think through that now. Yeah, praise God. Praise God for that. So what does change, Matt, in the local church, in the culture of your local church? What changes when you make leadership development a part of that disciple-making strategy? So let me say this. Like I said a minute ago, um, brothers, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're concerned about you don't know where to start, this takes time. It really does. You have to build this culture, and it takes time um, to change the culture of a church. But I think once people catch the vision for what you're trying to accomplish and catch a kingdom mindset of being on mission together, um, you're going to see excitement from the church about investing in the kingdom. Um, you'll see uh, you'll see leaders, potential leaders, attracted to your church. God will bring them. I remember praying when I first got to Fairview, God, I need— um, God, we need a woman here that is trained in biblical counseling to help with some issues that I don't feel mm -hmm. trained in, mm -hmm. and I don't think it's wise for me to enter into some of these relationships, counseling relationships long-term with women, and God sent someone. Wow. Um, praying that, God, we need men that are elder types that can help with this ministry training center and with some other endeavors that we'd like to accomplish, and then God sends them, um, and they, they show up at church, right? So I think you, you pray for that. You begin to build. The, the people get excited. You'll see a leaders, attracted, leaders attracted to your church. And then um, your potential for kingdom impact expands as you equip more and more saints to do the work of the ministry. So as you build slowly, you'll see your, your impact expand because you have more people involved in doing the work. So the focus in your church has to shift from being 
uh, what does the church do for me to how can I help the church impact the kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that that's a, a major shift that has to happen in the, in the mindset of your people. And it can happen. It feels you're probably thinking you're thinking about some of your people and thinking that's never going to happen. It can. God can change people's hearts and minds and open their eyes to see things that can uh, be accomplished. And I think in doing that, your your members will feel more empowered and equipped to do the things that are outside their comfort zone, and they're going to sense uh, the support of the congregation as a whole behind them to to kind of to take those risks, if you will. Yeah, it really goes back to that Ephesians four. A calling you talked about earlier yeah. that as pastors or church leaders, we are here to equip the saints for ministry and embedding that mindset into the culture of the church. Yeah. Okay. So um, now for the maybe the the question that I always get, Matt, when I'm talking about leadership development in church circles, uh, there's usually somebody in the room that feels this tension between, well, well, if I'm called by God, that might be all I need, or Man, you guys are talking so much about leadership. Where is the call of God in that? So talk about the relationship between the calling of God on a person's life and the development of leaders. Do we wait for somebody to raise their hand and say, I'm called, and then we start developing them? Or can calling flow out of leadership development? Yeah, I think it's a it's almost a, a both and. I mean, you have to be sensitive to the work of the Spirit. You have to have your eye on the people in your congregation Again, there's there's scriptural qualifications for leaders, right? Right, um, where somebody may feel called to do this or that, but you examine their character and think, you know, there's some work to be done here first, or um, you have somebody that has the character, um, and you and you realize maybe they don't don't believe in themselves or they don't have the competency. I can help them there. I can help raise them up uh, for the work that God may be calling them to do. So. I think you know one of the first things you have to understand is if Christ calls someone to be a disciple, that means necessarily that if they're a disciple, they're they're called to make disciples, yeah. and so that's kind of where you you have to start. Uh, every member in the church has been given gifts by the Spirit, and one of your roles as the pastor or leader there is to to train them, to equip them, to employ those gifts in the work of the ministry. Um, as we said earlier, God doesn't just kind of call you to do the work of the ministry as the leader. He calls you to equip the saints for the work of yeah, the ministry. I have mixed feelings about you know the the online spiritual gifts tests. I think if you're smart enough, you can you can fill out that test in a way that you'll get whatever spiritual gift you want. Absolutely. I think what the best way to discern people's gifts is in the context of community, which means you have to spend time with people, watch them, affirm them in gifts. Um, and help them grow in areas where they need to grow. Um, so that all happens within the context of the local church. And so um, you can confirm the call of God on someone's life by watching them and training them to, to do the work God has called them to do. Yeah, that's really good. Bringing that idea of the community back into the center, because uh, you're right, uh, we can go find the answer we're looking for in those assessments online and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, but the body really does call out um, the called, if you will, yeah. in, in people. That's, re- that's really good. All right, so you've talked a lot. have been super helpful in thinking about not just what Fairview does, but encouraging pastors already. But, but just to kind of bring that home in, in one question, how could a pastor or a church leader get started in developing leaders? If, they, if they're like, man, this is something we're not doing, how could they get started? All right, so um, brother, I'd say pull out your membership role right now and read through the names on that role 
and 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 look at the the people you have that God has already brought to your church and make a list of people that you're going to intentionally invest in. I mean literally make a list, write their names down and begin praying, God, how do you want to use me to shape this person for the work of the kingdom? Second, begin to invest in those leaders, um, whether it's meeting with them regularly, reading through books that you think will be beneficial for them to grow in the areas where you can see them flourishing, um, and even plan together ministry. Like Begin talking and challenging them about some, some areas of ministry you could see them stepping into. Uh, I would say third, begin to give them opportunities uh, to lead and provide feedback in those opportunities so they grow. And then that way, the church as a whole will also see their giftedness and begin to trust them and, and help them um, grow as a leader as well. Um, I would say congregationally, um, go ahead and budget and plan for leadership training events where you cover topics of need in the church. Maybe it's evangelism, maybe it's uh, teacher training, and pay attention to the people that show up. Mm. Pay attention to the people that desire to grow, that desire to be a leader. Um, I think um, you know some, sometimes we kind of we kind of pull back when someone expresses a desire for leadership, but I think that's a God-given hmm. desire, right? I mean, if you aspire to be an elder is the language that's used in the New Testament. If someone aspires to be a leader, um, tease that out, examine their character, train them and equip them in competency and, and give them opportunities to do that. If you're able, bring them into um, an internship or residency where they can be specifically trained for a, a role in the church or maybe they can, that gives them the, the freedom to explore different areas of church leadership and see where they're most gifted. Um, and I would say when you're preaching and teaching, um, challenge your people to step up and lead and then give them clear ways to step into that leadership training pipeline. I just kind of gave you a running list, but that's great. hopefully there's something helpful there. No, that's there. great. No, I, I think that's um, – it is start with prayer. Start with who, who the Lord has already placed in the body and mm-hmm. praying through how do I steward well this congregation that, that God's given me. So, yeah. Matt, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for giving time today. Thanks for modeling this at Fairview. And like you said, it's a work in progress. But thank you for endeavoring to build kingdom leaders. And thanks for investing in NC Baptist through this conversation. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Again, we don't do everything perfect. I'm still making mistakes. You probably remember there was an old commercial. It was an airline, and um, the the airplane is flying through the air while they're building it. I feel like <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. Um, but I'm happy to share the things that I think have been helpful for our church and I see fruit in. Yeah, that's great. Well, because of the generosity of NC Baptists, ministry services are available to NC Baptist churches that would help with leadership development. And so our team would love to come alongside your church in making disciples and making leaders. So let's be on mission together. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org give.